over these summer Sundays, we're working our way through the Gospel of Luke and looking at some of the people that Jesus met along the way. Started um, by looking at when Jesus met a fisherman, a fisherman named Simon, who of course would go on to become Peter, the rock on which Jesus would build the church. And then we looked at Jesus meeting a centurion, although, as Pete pointed out, Jesus didn't actually meet the centurion face to face. Um, but in these days of sort of modern virtual meetings and meetings by Skype, yes, meeting doesn't necessarily mean face to face. So I think we can get away with saying Jesus met the centurion. Then we looked at when Jesus met the paralysed man whose, whose friends made a hole in the roof and hope that we don't have friends who make holes in our roofs. And last week, Jesus, we looked at Jesus meeting a sinful woman, a woman who would wash his feet with her tears. Now the title I was given for this morning, the title that you'll see on the front of the notice sheet, is a synagogue leader. But as we heard in the reading, the reading is about Jesus meeting more than just a synagogue leader. Could be described as two stories of meeting Jesus, of Jesus meeting people. Because at first glance, it appears that there are two entirely separate stories in that reading. We do have the story of Jesus meeting the synagogue leader, Jairus, whose daughter is dying. But we also have the story of Jesus meeting the woman who has been bleeding for many years. And it appears that the only thing that connects them is that one happened while Jesus was on his way to the other. But I don't think they are two separate stories. I don't think it's just chance that they're together. I think Luke deliberately told the stories like this. Over the three years of Jesus' ministry, he met many, many people. He healed many, many people. Luke had loads and loads of stories to pick from. Loads of stories of miraculous healings. Why was it that he picked these? I believe that he included these two stories together deliberately because he wanted to say something about Jesus in the two halves of the same story. The way one story wraps around the other is partly because Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house when the woman touched him. But it's, the way it's written is also a technique much used by writers for creating a link between different elements of a story. And also, there's the 12-year coincidence. We hear that Jairus' daughter is 12 years old and the woman has been suffering for 12 years. And I don't think that that's a coincidence. I don't mean that the bleeding is connected to the birth, but I don't think what, what I'm saying is Luke mentioning those two 12 years isn't a coincidence. He's mentioning those two to highlight that he's put these two stories together deliberately 
so that they can be seen as one whole. And so what I want to do this morning is compare and contrast those two halves of the story. So very simply this morning, what I want to do is look at what is different about these two people and then look at what they have in common and then think about what was it that Luke was trying to tell us about Jesus in this. So let's start by looking at the differences and start by looking at Jairus, the synagogue leader. So what do we know about him? Well, a synagogue leader. He is a man of standing in the community, a man of importance, a man of some power, a man who'd have been looked up to. He's not necessarily very wealthy, but he's certainly going to be comfortably off, probably has got servants, and he'd be somebody that people respected and looked up to. We know that there was a whole crowd waiting there for Jesus. It says that at the start of the reading, eagerly expecting to see this man that they've heard so much about. Stories have come of this new rabbi who was coming and working miracles and the crowds all wanted to see him. And we know from the story of Zacchaeus that sometimes when there were crowds and crowds gathering together, some people would get to the front and other people would get pushed to the back and wouldn't be able to actually get much of a glimpse. But in all these crowds, Jairus is able to get to the front. He's able to get to Jesus. He's able to talk to him and tell him what's happening. And why? Well, because the crowds will have known who he is. The crowds would have let through the synagogue leader. Today, when we think of Jesus and we know all the stories, we know that he was often in opposition to the religious leaders of the day. We know the stories of some of the negative things he said about Pharisees and the like. And instead, we know that he spent time with sinners and outcasts. But back then, that was not what was expected. Back then, the crowds would have assumed that this travelling rabbi, a religious teacher, would want to speak to the local religious leaders. And I'm I'm sure the crowds would have parted to let Jairus through to the front. They would have expected that to be what was happened. And I'm sure Jairus himself would have expected it to happen. Not saying he was arrogant or anything, but just because he was used to getting preferential treatment. He was used to being the synagogue leader, the one that people would come to. He would have been confident and self-assured. And I'm sure approached Jesus expecting to be received. By contrast, the woman was, well, to start off with, she was a woman. Today, I know sexual equality isn't perfect, but in our modern society of comparative sexual equality, it's easy to forget just how much of a big deal that is, that she was a woman. There would have been women in the crowds watching from a distance, 
listening for what was said. But they would have very much expected to be observers rather than participants in the action. She's not somebody with any standing in the community. She's no importance that would see her let through. No, we can see that, like Zacchaeus, this is somebody who would probably have ended up getting pushed to the back of the crowd. Can you imagine her kind of peering over, trying to get a glimpse of the, this man? And then add to this, this is a woman who's been suffering from an unknown condition for 12 years. We don't know the exact nature, but we can be fairly sure this would have been something that even today would be debilitating enough to make it difficult for someone to go out. But back then it was even worse, because not only was there the physical nature of the condition... Back then, she would have been considered unclean. And what's more, not only would she have been unclean, anyone she touched would have also been made unclean. She couldn't just go out. She couldn't just risk bumping into people in the street and touching them, because that would make them unclean. And because of that, for her to go out she would be at risk of being stoned to death, quite literally stoned to death, for going out and making other people unclean. And then add to that, why was she suffering? What was the cause in the first place? In John 9, verses 1 and 2, we read of another occasion when it says, Walking down the street, Jesus saw a blind man. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, causing him to be born blind. Now on that occasion, Jesus very quickly tells them, no, you've got it wrong. That isn't the case. That's not what's caused it. It's not a result of sin that this man is blind. Yes, Jesus is saying that isn't what happened. But the fact that you get stories like that reminds us how commonly held that belief was. People just assumed that if someone was sick, it was because they were a sinner. And so this woman, who had been suffering for so long, would probably have thought, I must have done something. I must have sinned in some way to be suffering like this. And so along with all the physical conditions and the risks of going out in public because she's unclean, there would have been guilt and shame at some unknown sin that she knew not what that had caused all of this. So here's our contrast. The important man, the man of significance, who could boldly approach Jesus, expecting to be received, to whom the crowd would show deference. And the woman, full of guilt and shame, scared to go out, who couldn't reasonably hope anything would happen, 
trying to catch a glimpse, but without being noticed. That's the difference. But what do they have in common? Well, first, obviously, they both want healing. For Jairus, for for his daughter rather than for himself, but they're both desperate for healing. We can see how desperate Jairus is from the fact that he describes him as falling at the feet of Jesus. It would not have been the done thing for an important man, a synagogue leader, to fall at the feet of Jesus. And yet that's what he does. He's so desperate. And it doesn't take much imagination to think how desperate the woman would be after 12 long years of suffering. But more than just the desperate need for healing... What else do they have in common? It's that both the situation seems hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. When Jairus first meets Jesus, he just wants healing for his daughter. But then the news reaches him. She's dead. It's too late. The opportunity's been missed. What seemed tough at first now seems hopeless. The friends tell him, don't bother Jesus anymore. It's too late. There's nothing that can be done. And I'm sure if the woman had any friends, they would give her the same advice. The situation is hopeless. It's 12 years that this has been happening. We read in there, no one could heal her. I'm sure she'd consulted all the doctors going. She'd tried all the cures. Twelve long years and nothing has happened. The situation is hopeless. But they have something else in common. Faith. They both have faith. Despite everything... Despite the hopelessness of the situation, they are able to put their trust in Jesus. Faith that makes a difference. Jesus says to the woman, your faith has healed you. And he says to Jairus, just believe and she will be healed. It is faith that makes the difference. It is faith that brings about the healing. It is faith that overcomes the hopelessness. So what was Luke trying to tell his readers when he put these two stories together and included them? What we get from the difference between the two is that it doesn't matter who you are. Jesus wants to meet with everyone. 
from the most important, from the most upright and righteous, from the likes of Jairus, all the way down to those who feel unimportant, insignificant, unworthy, guilty, embarrassed, ashamed, scared. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can be that would stop Jesus from wanting to meet with you. He wants to meet with every single one of us. That's the message of the difference. And the message of the similarities from the things the two parts of the story have in common is no situation is hopeless if we put our faith in him. It doesn't matter how long you've been praying for something. It doesn't matter if it's years and years and years. It doesn't matter if it looks like things are too late, things are getting worse. All things are possible for God if we put our faith in him. This year our theme is draw near. All of us can draw near. Male and female, young and old, rich and poor, feeling good about ourselves or feeling unworthy, we can all draw near to him and he will draw near to us. And as we draw near to him and put our faith in him, nothing is impossible for him through the power of the Holy Spirit.